0: Welcome back to WGLI Sports Talk. We had something here, and it just well, let's try it one more time. Hi, I'm Mike Ruzione, captain of the 1980 gold medal hockey team, and now a New York Ranger announcer. And when I'm not at the Garden, I listen to my good friends, Rich O., Rosie, and Sal, on WGLI's Sports Talk. Look up. Well, that was one of the ones I wanted because, of course, that was a, a player that got a chance to play in the Olympics. But the one I really wanted to get to was since Sal Domino has got his uh, penalty minutes all ready for us. Uh, I don't know why this man likes Sal so much, but uh, we have to play this introduction every week right before Sal show. We, otherwise, he gets very insulted. And uh, Sal, I think, has paid Sal Messina to say this. However, it's a good introduction to Sal Domino's penalty minutes, so here it is. Hello,
1: this is New York Ranger announcer Sal Redlight Messina. And when I'm not covering the Rangers, I listen to my good friends, Mark Rosenman, Rich O'Connor, and of course my favorite, Sal Domino, on WGLI's
2: Sports Talk. What can I say? You know, there's no better-fitting uh, introduction than from one red-light Sal to another one. <laughs> well, the Rangers came into the All-Star Game looking forward to the rest. The team has won only one of their last 13 games. Last night they lost to the Chicago Blackhawks 4-1. The Rangers look like less- lethargic in front of their own net, allowing 36 shots on Eddie Mio. Meantime, the offense has been non-existent as they totaled only 16 shots. If the Rangers want to go anywhere in the playoffs, they are going to have to wake up some of their big guns like Mike Rogers and tighten up a Swiss cheese defense. It may be a coincidence, but the Ranger collapse seemed to begin around the time they traded defenseman Andre Dory. The Islanders came home from a very successful road trip, totaling nine out of ten possible points. On the western swing, they found their power play in the line combinations of Trottier, Bossy, and Tonelli, as well as Gillies, Helene, and Bourne have been exceptional. On Saturday, however, the team lost an edge and a game to Minnesota 4-2. But the big news out of Uniondale wasn't the Islander loss. It was the All-Star game at the Coliseum tomorrow night. Al Arbor of the Wales Conference added Brian Trottier and Dave Langevin of his own team, and selected Hector Marini from New Jersey and Don Maloney of the Rangers. The three-time Cup champs have four players in the game. On the other side, Jerry Curry was added to the Campbell All-Stars, giving Edmonton four representatives, along with Gretzky, Coffey, and Messier. Richard Brodeur, the second-team goalie, will not play due to an injury suffered last Saturday. He will be replaced by goaltender John Garrett, who was acquired by Vancouver last Friday from Quebec for defenseman and his elderbrink. The teams will work out tomorrow at the Coliseum beginning at 10 a.m., and it will be open to the public. So if you don't have tickets to the game, here's your opportunity to see the NHL's best. Speaking of all-stars, Wayne Gretzky tied another record, getting four assists in the first period last Friday as Edmonton beat Montreal. The NHL fined Philadelphia and New Jersey $7,000 each, and Paul Holmgren of the Flyers, uh, the Philadelphia Flyers $600 for a bench-clearing brawl last January 25th. $100 fines were handed out to Glenn Rush and Bob Froze for leaving their nets, as well as to the Devils, John Wensink and Don Lever, and to Glenn Cochran and Frank Bay of Philadelphia. And now a Pete Peters update. He has beaten Buffalo 5-1 to one yesterday for his 29th sh- uh, try that one more time. Pete Peters update. He beat Buffalo 5-1 to one yesterday for his 29th game without a loss going 24-0 and 5. He is now three games from the record. And for a week of four goals and five assists, second-team All-Star center Dennis Savard of Chicago is the Penalty Minute Player of the Week. And that about wraps it up from here. I'm Sal Domino, and this has been Penalty Minutes, a look at this past week in the NHL, and now it's time to turn it back to my good friend, Mark Roseman.
0: Uh, your very favorite, at least that's the least you can do Well, you're one of my very favorites Let's see, I, I think I got a friend of mine over here
1: Hi, I'm Dale Barry, hey, the Pittsburgh there he is. Pirates When I'm in town, I'm listening to Mark Rosenman and Rich O'Connor on Sports Talk And he didn't even mention your <laughs> name <laughs>
2: He's a closer friend of mine, remember, uh, he's from Brooklyn too
0: 587-1414, <laughs> one, four, one, four. that is the number if you'd like to talk about anything in the world of sports A lot of things happening, of course the Sugar Ray Richardson trade now a New Jersey Net back into uh, the New York area. And a lot of people looking forward to that. Hopefully he can finally get some of his problems straightened out and play some uh, outstanding basketball that is capable of playing for the New Jersey Nets, who have already a dynamite team going for them over there in the Middlelands. They've turned things around. And uh, right now, very own backyard. A lot of people don't realize this. It's an up-and-coming sport, not even new anymore. It's just... Uh, sometimes it goes unnoticed new sports for years hockey was the sport that uh... The most knowledgeable sports fans watch because they knew it was the, the sport to watch, the game of the future, and it has turned out to be that. Especially here on Long Island, of course, we've got a three-time champion, the Stanley Cup, New York Islanders. But you've got even a bigger dynasty playing in the very same place, the New York, the Nassau Coliseum here in Uniondale, New York, home of the MISL champion, New York Arrows. Not three championships, but four in a row. Right now, however, the Arrows find themselves in fourth place in the Eastern Division, and a place I'm sure the Arrow's players aren't really used to it. All these years, they've really dominated game in, game out. But I guess it doesn't matter because the arrows have been co- become known as a money team. Come playoff times, they're there, and that's when they start they start their, their
3: drive. Sure. Well, we're like I said earlier, we're going through a transition period right now. You know, getting adjusted to new players coming in and all that. And you know, it counts in uh, in the playoffs and it counts in the finals. And the team that wins the championship in the end is the best team. You know, during the season you try to do as well as you can Make the playoffs or even win your division Sometimes it just doesn't happen that way But if you come in within the top four in each division You qualify to make the playoffs And that's when you really have to get serious And play some great soccer I mean, We're trying very hard right now But uh, we're going through a transition period There's new players coming in all the time And they have to get used to the system And have to get used to the city And being in the uh, Nassau Coliseum it's a, it's a different environment being in Nassau and uh, it takes some time to get used to. But once we get that and we put our our heads together as a team and we can play great soccer, we have a very good team and and we we put it together and we're a very exciting team and everybody that comes out to watch us will enjoy good soccer and, and it's a great entertainment. Let me ask you something, Doc. When uh, we had our good old media
2: game there, I got to meet uh, Coach Popovich, and he seems like he can be a nice, easygoing guy at times. But the impression I got was, don't get on his wrong side. Uh, (laughs) He seems like he can be a tough disciplinarian. An example that I point to was uh, at the Phoenix game, uh, was it last week, when he got a little upset with the fraternizing between players. Now, soccer is a different sport from others, whereas players can go up and talk to each other. There's not that distinct hate that you have, say, in a football game, and he was a little perturbed, to say the least, about that. How do you feel about, uh, how would you, for example, tell me about his style of coaching?
3: Well, he's, uh, you hit it right on the head, he's a disciplinarian. He's very—he's a very intense coach, and he loves to win. You know, soccer is his life. He told us that a million times. And when he's out there, he wants to do whatever he can to win. He won four championship, and. It wasn't easy for him, you know. He had to go out there. He fought with the players, and but he got them to produce. And every time he does something, is he's doing it to get the best out of his players and to win a soccer game. And that's uh, that that makes him a winner. And if he does anything less, it's not him, because every game is, is a big game. Every game is a, he expects everything out of you. Every game he demands a lot as a as a coach. And and a lot of times, you know. We try to do as much as he demands of us, and sometimes it doesn't turn out that way, and he gets very upset. He expects 100% every time. I'm
2: sure he can get very upset.
3: He had us stretching out there, boy. Come
0: on, lift those legs. I'll tell you, uh, uh, well, with the way today's economy is and such, when people come out to see a game, I guess they expect 100% from every individual, and you can't really fault a man for demanding 100%, but I, I guess in a professional athlete like any human being goes through days where he just doesn't feel
3: 100%. How do you push yourself to get the 100% out of you? Well, it's um, we go through stages, you know, we play a lot of games, a lot of times injury is a factor, a lot of times flying from different cities to cities, you're very tired, but when you get out there, you know, we Always try to give it our best because that's that's what we're there for. People come out to see us and they come out to see us perform, and we try to do the best we can. But sometimes other conditions, you know, come into play, and, and you know, such as injuries. And you try to push as much as you can without getting injured or getting uh, uh, uh really distracted from the team or, or breaking down the team concept of play. So we go out there and we. The coach will push, you put it that way. He will get everything he can out of you and we try our best to give it all every time we get out there.
0: Five eight seven one four one four. That is the number. If you have anything at all you'd like to talk about in the world of sports, a lot of things happening. Like I said, the uh, NHL All Star Game tomorrow night, the uh, NBA All Star Game coming up, the Pro Bowl just uh, happened yesterday. A lot of uh, controversial calls. In fact, the, the game loser, as far as the AFC concerned, one of a uh, one of a, a many controversial calls. Mike Nelms uh, didn't call for a fair catch. His own man knocked a AFC defender into him. And actually, he he didn't touch the ball, but the ball hit him.
3: Hi, I'm Jason Thompson of the Pittsburgh Pirates. When I'm in town, I'm listening to Rosie and Richo on Sports Talk. And
0: speaking about Richo on Sports Talk, he's out there at Madison Square Garden. He's on the phone right now. Hello, Rich? Rich? Are you there, Rich? Yes, I'm go, huh? Okay. <laughs> Sounds like a lot of people are going out for hot dogs right now. <laughs>
1: well, it's uh, halftime here at Madison Square Garden, and uh, a lot of people have, uh, well, some boring spaces as they come out for their hot dogs here at the Garden, if you want to put it that way. 48-47 our halftime score here at the Garden. Knicks up by one point. And it has been a very interesting game. It has uh, been seesawing back and forth. It looked as though in the early going, the Knicks might run away with the ball game, but then some turnovers caught up with them. But uh, now, uh, later on in the first half, the Knicks limited their turnovers, and they uh, remained on top by the score of 48-47.
0: So a close game, a pretty exciting game, it seems like. 48-47, pretty much... Uh, not a really high-scoring game, but there has been a, a lot of scoring going on. Rich, while you were uh, watching the game and back at your seat, we had two calls that I uh, have buried in the back of my mind that I want to discuss with you. One about the New Jersey Nets. They have uh, two openings now on their roster. They're down to ten. They have two openings. There are two players playing in London right now that have been rumored to be coming to the Nets. They are on under contract for the Nets. So I've been playing over there. And the other one is Jan Van Bredekoff has been rumored coming back to the Nets. What are your opinions on that?
1: Well, I had the. Uh pleasure of talking to uh, mr. van Bredikoff just a few weeks ago at a, a special dinner up in uh, New Jersey and he says that even though he is eager to come back and play, he feels that his playing days might be behind him right now, especially with the type of playing that is going on in the NBA. You know, it's, it's funny how a lot of players that uh, played in the ABA then came over into the NBA, older players, feel that the playing style in the NBA has changed drastically and that they don't know if they can really fit in. But Van Vredekhoff is a player who will give 110%. He's a very good defensive player, very tough defensive. And if with those two roster spots open, even though uh, he might not seem so eager to play, we'll have to see if maybe the coach of the Nets can talk him into it. And the other
0: question, I I want you to get back to your seat and watch the remainder of the game. The one other question is that... uh, how come there isn't a player from every single team on the NBA All-Star team?
1: Well, it's just that I think that, well, first of all, with the fan balloting, it often ends up that two or three players from one team end up on the on the supposed starting five, such as with Los Angeles. Irvin uh, Johnson definitely on the squad, Jabbar definitely on the squad. And when you think about it, there are 13 teams in uh, each division. And I think that if you took...